0: I want to bring in uh, Bob Iaccino. He's the founder and chief strategist of Path Trading Partners joining us to take a look at commodities. Bob, so far we've been kind of honed in on uh, the financial markets, the dollar rates, and what to expect this afternoon from Fed Chair Jerome Powell. But the other story this morning is crude oil uh, talking, well, uh, back up to just shy of $87. I mean, the spike we're seeing here uh, in reaction to uh, President Vladimir Putin, Russia's President Vladimir Putin, is some choice words. He's Uh, ramping up the uh, intensity as war in Ukraine.
1: Yeah, Ben, I was looking at that this morning, and I really, if you just look at the effect of today's rally on a crude oil chart, if you'd walked away from crude oil for a month and came back and looked at today's rally, it wouldn't startle you at all. I mean, it's literally a small rally within the context of this constant down move. I just think that crude oil right now is being dominated by macro factors. And those macro factors remain that Russian crude oil is on the market. Price caps are not likely to work. Hmm. Um, So it's going to be a very long road. They signed dozens of deals, dozens of deals with China for natural gas, for uh, gasoline, for crude oil. And then the way it looks right now from a fundamental perspective, again, one or five minute chart, sure, it looks like we're rallying a lot. You put it up on a daily, it's a blink. I mean, it doesn't even look like it affected the overall trend for crude oil right now. And so I, I'm short, you know I'm short, it kind of sounds, like I'm talking in my book here, but I'm really not. As soon as I see a positive move in crude oil, the first thing I look and see, am I anywhere close to anything that bothers me in this short position? And I'm not, I'm nowhere close. Unless we get a drastic change, which can happen in crude oil. And I mentioned to you last week, I mentioned it to Oliver as well, I do expect OPEC to put a meeting together as we get into the $70 price range, if we get into the $70 price range and cut production. I really think they'll do that. That's my own speculation. I don't believe anyone should trade that. Certainly being short doesn't sound like I'm trading it, does it? You know, Bob,
0: uh, to your point here, I'd agree in many ways. I was talking with Oliver yesterday, and I kind of described crude as a dartboard of uh, bearish indicators, right? And I offered to hand him a dart, and it seems like uh, right in the middle, you've got the bullseye, and all that's in there is really uh, Putin cutting off supplies, uh, Russia intensifying the war, and in many ways, we've seen those worst-case scenarios developing, and crude still in a range, 80 to 90 right now.
1: Well, so in a strange way, Putin cutting off supplies limits his ability to intensify the war. I mean, obviously, one of the reasons he's able to continue fighting, and now he's drafting reservists, he's working to annex the territories that have been taken so that he can claim an invasion if the Ukraine, tries to take the territories back. Of course, there are original Ukraine territories in the first place, so it wouldn't be, I think, accepted on a national stage. But if mm-hmm. it were to happen, then he can claim that he's being attacked. He can up the ante. And in a speech yesterday, he said, we'll, we'll defend it to— uh, to our full strength Mm -hmm. and then he threw in this is not a bluff and to me that was a direct threat of potential low-level nuclear which is one of the things in that dartboard you talked about the other thing of course being that the price caps really aren't likely to work because the secondary sanctions being threatened are not likely to be applied to india and china in any way that affects them without just completely sh- you know just shifting the Whoa. globe toward talk of a depression rather than a recession
0: those are some of the you know uh triangles on that dartboard. You've got Iran. uh, You've got uh, Russian oil making its way out, as you mentioned, through China, through India, ultimately. Uh, You've got the dollar. I mean, uh, multiple bearish factors here. Let's talk about the impact this has on the EU and UK. I mean, again, prices right now we can see hanging out around the 50-day moving average. And as we uh, checking a look here, uh, the bigger picture, I mean, hanging out again well off those spike highs that we saw up around 130. And I mean, at these levels, though, still an issue for the UK and the EU come this winter. I mean, this Energy crisis is uh, something to be uh, factored into depending on what products you're trading, but especially if you're looking at some of the currencies, you can see a reflection of some of the uncertainty in the euro and the pound.
1: Yeah, I think that's a great point, Ben. And the dollar is an absolute wrecking ball globally with the strength that it's had simply because of the pain that the other developed economies are feeling. Yeah. Let alone the undeveloped economies, the emerging markets. When you look at it from a perspective of, let's just say, Japan, and there's other countries like this like france for example that are in current account deficits since basically the pandemic they have to sell dollar-based assets just to buy energy and a lot of them don't have the excesses that they maybe had in the 90s or the 2000s to sell so they're going to be selling dollar-based assets and that's going to be raising rates here in the US because somebody's got to buy those and they're not likely to buy them at the current yields. And then you've got the Fed with quantitative tightening as well, which is allotted at $95 billion, nowhere close to that. If you look at the Bloomberg Accommodation Index, it still shows that we're in accommodative mode in terms of monetary policy. All of these things hitting really pushes US yields even higher than maybe they are now mm-hmm. And then from that perspective, the dollar gets stronger, becomes an even bigger wrecking ball. So yeah. it's kind of a snowball going downhill with the U.S. dollar, and it all is on the Fed and where inflation is right now. And I heard Sean say that there's nothing in the housing numbers that's likely to scare the Fed, and I agree with him. It's, it's interesting because when you're looking at consumers, and to a certain degree retail traders act this way as well, when, something, when they want something, they get their emotions involved. So when you see interest rates rising and you wanna buy that house, you rush to buy it because you think rates are going higher. That's what that housing spike was. You could actually see it if you drill down into the data from the time that these uh, mortgage applications got applied for to when you saw pending home sales spike a little bit last week. The pending end of the mortgage rates, it's a rush to get these houses prior to rates going higher. What's interesting, is that prices are likely to fall, so they shouldn't be rushing, but that's the way consumers behave. And that's what we're going to see in governments as well. But they sell those dollar-denominated assets just to buy energy.
0: I think the argument, and I heard this on a personal level, uh, you know, a good friend of mine basically talking about, okay, prices may fall, but the rate's going to be higher ultimately. And so it kind of, uh, you know, it's that that pendulum and that balance in terms of kind of determining which one you're better off. Uh, coming out of the woodwork, as we mentioned, uh, with Sean and kind of accelerating some of those buying trends or waiting for more availability, prices falling, but paying a higher rate as you do. Let's talk a little bit about how it's not just energies when you're talking about the impact of Vladimir Putin's decisions ramping up the war in Ukraine. You've got gold, which saw a little bit of a bid in the overnight session back to 16 nothing significant to your point in terms of what we've seen in crude nothing maybe to get the bears too worked up but you can see with the dollar higher the influence that this has i mean this is a very well defined inverse correlation that just recently broke down at the very least on an intraday basis
1: yeah and again talking my book a little bit as you as you know i've been long gold since last july not this july last july and hanging on to it i've actually started to buy some physical gold and it's not because i think it's going to 1700 today it's more because I think at some point the Fed will have to start easing again and gold will be able to take advantage of that because they'll be easing toward the end of a recession. Uh, but I don't think they're doing it anytime soon. You know, I've been on record with with appearances here and elsewhere saying that I don't think the June lows are the lows in equities and subsequently, I don't think that the March highs in gold are the ultimate high But again, you have to get the Fed out of the way, and that's not happening anytime soon. So if you're buying gold with the thought to hold gold, I think that's a good trade. If you're actively trading gold from the long side, the timing's probably wrong. Bob, appreciate you
0: joining us. Always a pleasure to have you with us. Solid breakdown in terms of what to look for today as far as commodities and a dynamic discussion, to say the least. Talking to the chief
1: strategist at Path Trading Partners, Bob Iaccino. Thanks again.